Hello and welcome to the Sport for Business podcast. I'm your host, Rob Hartnett, and in today's podcast, we are back on the road to Paris to the Olympic and Paralympic Games with our partners and sponsors of Team Ireland, Permanent TSB. An Olympic gold medal is about as rare a commodity as you will find in sport. In fact, there are only four living Irish men that have one in their possession. So it is very special today to chat with one of them, Fintan McCarthy, who brought the nation to their feet in Tokyo and is hoping to do so again in Paris. Along the way, he is a three-time world champion, but our conversation isn't all about the boat. We chat inevitably about his partner, Paul O'Donovan, and what they talk about off the water, about where he keeps his medal, about what might be next, and about the memento he likes to take from his races, even if the marshals would rather he didn't. He is engaging as a personality, just as you would imagine from seeing him on the telly. So let's head to West Cork and get the conversation started. It's a pleasure to welcome you to the Sport for Business podcast, Fintan McCarthy, Olympian, gold medalist, three-time world champion. It's a uh, it's a fair roll call. Anyway, you're very welcome. Thanks. Thanks very much, Rob. Thanks for saying that. Um, we're just out of the, the world championships and oftentimes rowing is one of those sports that only used to come into our conscience when the Olympic cycle rolled around. But between yourself and Paul and the girls, you've managed to turn that on its head. So now we're all tuned into the world championships and you delivered. What is it like? Has it sunk in yet to be that three-time world champion? Oh, it's, you know, it's one of those questions we get asked a lot. And I don't know, like, first of all, what sunken really means. Like we've, it's, it's obviously amazing. And, um, but I think it's just that, you know, you're achieving your goal for the year. Um, and especially this year, you know, it hasn't been the most straightforward in terms of um, just training and, and sort of knowing what's what's coming next. So if it, yeah, I think I'm I'm very satisfied at the moment. I think it's probably only when you look back on it from afar that you realise the enormity of it. You say that about achieving the target for the year, and you've spoken before about the fact that you know these big races the olympics and the world championships that that is only one race it's only one day out of the effort that goes into it can you give us a sense as to just what that means preparing for a single race whether it be world championships or olympics or europeans what does that mean in practice on the lake and in ishkara down there in uh, in, in west cork day by day yeah um no, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Like racing for us, while it's obviously so important, it's such a tiny part of our season. Um, you know, we only race maybe uh, three or four times a year at most on on an international level. So um, the most of our season is is training, like you said, down in, in Ascara, um, on the water, on the rowing machines, on the bikes, in the gym. And we do the odd training camp as well, where we go to Spain or Italy, maybe just to get get a bit better better weather than um, than what 
Cork has to offer sometimes. Um, but yeah, uh, I I kind of always tell people that rowing is is one of those sports where generally the more you do and the more you practice, the the better you're going to get. You know, it's quite like um, it's quite a simple movement that by practicing it over and over again, you're just kind of getting it into your muscle memory and also um, just building that fitness and the endurance that you need. Cause it is, while it's only a 2000 meter race, um, you know, you need, you do need a lot of power and, and endurance to get through that as quickly as you're possible. Cause you're, you're sort of on the red line for the whole thing. So um, yeah, it is basically hours a day six or seven days a week sometimes what is the split between as you say the machines like the last time that i met you was down in uh you know in in the high performance center like i mean it's it's a fantastic you know place to actually go to work to to live the dream but i'm pretty sure that when you pitch up there every morning it's not quite such a fabulous looking place when the machines (laughs) are staring staring at you yeah staring at you is right um no, it's a, uh, there is, um, obviously, you know, we use the machines a lot cause it's, of they're a great measure of, of your fitness and, you know, there, there aren't the variables of, of like wind and conditions and stuff like that. So you can really compare yourself from week to week and you compare, you can compare yourself to everyone else as well. So they do make up a big, uh, part of our training. And with the weather and stuff, we probably do find ourselves on them more than we would like sometimes. But um, yeah, great, great tool for for getting fit and yeah, getting us ready for uh, for the summer, I guess. Tell me a little bit about the the relationship. You know, you came into the sport alongside your brother Jake, and there was these other two brothers that were in a boat heading off to, to Rio, um, the, the O'Donovans. Now you're, yeah. you're locked into the boat. Well, for the, for the moment anyway, with Paul, but a lot of that training and most of the training I'm guessing is, is just you and on, on, on a machine and him on a machine. So that muscle memory, how does that translate then into the dynamic and the relationship that the two of you have together, which has to be perfect in that red zone area for those times when you're actually racing together. Yeah, well, I think the main thing in terms of of that is um like we do spend a lot of time during the year in singles and on the machine uh by ourselves. So what we're doing there is getting ready for when we can come together in the double. Like we're making sure that we're the fastest fittest versions of ourselves so that when we do come together it's it's pretty much just about matching up a bit a bit better and and really refining our rowing so that we're doing the same thing uh at the same time and uh you know fitness and strength and stuff won't come into it as much then because we'll already be at a pretty high level and anything we do is kind of just maintaining that level while improving our our actual technique uh so that would be sort of how i think about it anyway 
How how far in advance of the World Championships would you have actually come together then as a pair? Um, well, we do it a bit differently every year now since since Tokyo because uh, you know Paul's got college and um, stuff, but I think this time we actually had a decent chunk together. We we had probably. I'm trying to do the math now, but definitely a couple of months. Um, so you know, some some teams even find that a bit strange. Like they'd be together for much longer, um, and we have had years where we've been together much longer than that as well. Like the year of the Olympics, we'd sort of been in the boat from March until um march until the olympics pretty much so a big a big chunk of time but um i think it's different for everyone like some people might feel that they need the whole year together to really tune in and and you know make things perfect but for us i think we've found this uh found this way of doing it where we're really making sure that we're both bringing our A game so that when we do get together, it's pretty fast from the word go. And it's only about tweaking, tweaking small things. And I think it kind of prevents staleness as well. Like when you're, when you're spending that much time together on the water, in the gym, you know, when you're on training camp, you're living in the same room, you're living together. Like it does get very monotonous and, yeah, I think spending that time apart really prepares us well for when we're all sort of thrown in together and having to live out of each other's pockets, essentially. Um, and just, yeah, just re- does prevent that staleness, I think. Uh, once you're you're in the boat, you famously don't talk very much to each other. Um, you know, sort of maybe one word every three championships and 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 stuff. <laughs> I'm guessing, maybe a little bit more often than that. But <laughs> I'm guessing you chat a little bit more when you're when you're out of the boat. Are you? You're obviously teammates at the at the very highest level, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're you're friends. Do you have many shared kind of um, you know interests and pastimes when you're when you're together? Yeah, I think um you know like I said there we we cuz cuz when you are together you spend so much time in the boat and in, in the room and stuff. It's nice to just do your own thing for a bit. Like I'm probably way too obsessed with like my phone and TikTok and all that at the moment. So I generally especially in training camp when all you want to do is just lie down between sessions. That's kind of where I go to um and Paul's probably a bit more curious in terms of like reading and um doing some college work too um but we're just I think uh it it's kind of what what makes it work like like you said during the race and stuff we don't we wouldn't talk that much but and it, and it is strange to to other crews and other rowers even because um you know some people will have plans of exactly what they're going to say at certain certain points in in the race and and you you would hear that going on and i think it is a bit bizarre to people that we don't really have that but i think it's because 
you know, we know we know how we want it to feel because we've done it in training and we've done it in races before. So the main thing that that happens in terms of like communication around that sort of thing is we'll we'll get up to the start line and um we might say a few words to each other like how are you feeling like oh are you feeling good like this is going to be a good one or, or so, something like that and um I'll just check in making sure that that I'm well not even check in it, it's it's we're kind of checking in with each other and I'm saying okay well I'm just gonna do this because this is this is what's feeling good in the warm-up and Paul will be like yeah sounds good or or you know little little sort of conversations like that and I think that's what it it sort of makes things simple and a lot easier to focus on it's a lot easier to focus on that during the race I think than saying okay well at the 750 meters I've got to say legs because we need to go hard on our legs like we'll be we'll be pushing the legs down as hard as we can anyway so I think that's just sort of the way we've we've um learn to to do things and i'm um, you know i'm not saying it's like the right way but i think it works for us so um that's just kind of how found, it's developed you found that space that way of linking together which which works for you which is brilliant yeah in, in our kind of firefly moments where we tune in you're the you're the smiley one and paul <laughs> is perhaps a little bit more intense and maybe a little bit mad it looks from, from you know from from the outside world is is there is there a touch of reality about that not about the madness but maybe the intensity or is that just part of who you are as as people that's got nothing to do with the boat that's exactly the way that you'd be yeah outside the boat as well no yeah i think that's that's pretty much it like i don't think I don't think there's that much in intensity about it. I think like the thing that people pick up on in interviews and things like that is, is that it's kind of, it, it, I guess it does seem a bit nonchalant, but it's what, it's what we're feeling. Like we're, we never make a big deal out of this is the world championship final and we're going to like put our lives on the line or, and do something we've never done before or, or anything like that. It's, it's, you know, like I said before, it's the, a small part of the year for us. And obviously it's hugely important and, and amazing to win and, and be world champions and that. But I think like we're, we are finding so much joy in like doing the day to day that, it is a bit of like the icing on the cake nearly. And it's not, it's not um, like, it, I'm not going to say it's not because it is a big, huge, amazing thing. But, um, you know, we've sort of planned how we're going to get there and what's going to happen. So it's nearly like just executing at that point rather than doing something that we could, could have never done. And it's a big, it's a sort of a big surprise or, um, uh, you know, I don't really know how to explain it other than that. No, that's fine. Um, this this series that we're doing is about the road to Paris. And probably as you're winding down now from the World Championship, the thought of Paris is probably something that you're trying to push to one side, that you'll be able to deal with that when it comes around. But tell me a little... When, you know, when Paul won silver in Rio, he was in the boat with Gary and 
people assumed that, well, okay, so they're a team, so they'll always be a team. But rowing isn't like that. So rowing is, you know, whoever the best two at any given moment in time, they're the ones that are going to be there. Is that still the same? Or are you pretty much certain that yourself and Paul are locked in now for, you know, for being on the water in Paris? No, um, that's actually still the same. Uh, so we've we've actually only qualified the 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 boat. So we know that two lightweight men from Ireland will be going to to Paris. But you know, if someone comes along next month and is is faster than than me at the trials or faster than Paul at the trials, and are consistently showing that, then we'll have to obviously open up open up the selection again, which is. Um, you know, it's it probably seems a bit harsh to some people, but I think um, that's how we've consistently found the fastest combination over the years. And and I don't think either if I don't think you would want to be in the boat if you weren't the fastest for the job. Like you, you never take that away from from someone else or or. Um, yeah, like obviously you you want to go to the Olympics, but it, you also want the fastest boat to go to the Olympics and and win. And the, it's just that in Ireland, because everyone is at that level in the lightweight scene anyway, you've got a pretty good chance of of winning if you're in the boat. So it's 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 hard, but um, that's kind of just the way it goes. I think we all kind of have that understanding. So it's not like you never hold it against anyone because we're all just trying to go our fastest. Sure. There's an irony in the fact of your success from Tokyo, meaning that there are probably more rowers that want to actually sort of get into a boat now. It probably wouldn't be possible to actually go from a standing start to an Olympic position within the space of a three-year cycle. But does that is that something that you know that kind of makes you proud about the fact that you're actually ambassadors for the sport as opposed to just doing it for yourself? Or is that something that maybe you'll think about later on when you've hung up your oars, if you do hang up your oars? Um, no, no, I think especially like after Tokyo it probably became something I thought about a bit more um just in terms of even even just being able to showcase the sport a bit more and, and increase sort of visibility around it and get it out there because it obviously it is still a uh um what's the word like it's not a it's not a major sport in Ireland by any means but um it is, you know, it's such an amazing sport that I found um, I've got so much from and I, and I can see, you know, how people how people have have grown and um, what the sport has given other people. So it is obviously a huge privilege to be able to get it out there and see see more people um, finding it and and enjoying it and and loving it like like we do so so yeah the yeah no it definitely has has become sort of a bigger thing in in recent years the 
you say about the fact that it, it it being a minority sport, and I guess on on a number of metrics it is. But but when you think about it, there's only four living Irish men that actually have an Olympic gold medal, and nobody that's alive today has got two of them. So you're on a pathway towards genuine history. Does that? Does that weigh heavily on your shoulders? Do you do you think of it in those terms? I mean, being one of four is that's pretty rare. Yeah, no, I to be honest, I didn't even didn't even know that stat for sure before you told me there. And like when you say it, it does make me think like, oh gosh, like I never never thought of that in those terms, but um. I, it's it doesn't like it doesn't come it doesn't come to me as like a huge pressure i'm i'm kind of it's it's nearly exciting in a way it's like wow imagine if if i could do that that would be really cool thing to do and and to have and i think in rowing as well only in our in our event there's only been one other crew who have won two olympic goals and I'm not even sure if they were back to back. I think there might have been an Olympics in between them. So, um, to do that even would be would be very cool. And it's not like it's a it's a goal of mine to to do that. Like I just I just want to be my fastest and still be enjoying it and to win. But I'm not going to say it wouldn't be nice to have those those sort of things to your name. Like even in a even in even down the line in a few years, it'd be, it'd be cool to be able to think back and, and say, well, I, you know, I, I did that. Yeah. Well, Ronnie Delaney and Michael Carruth, as well as Paul Donovan and Fintan McCarthy are the, are the four that have that, that medal. <laughs> where, where do you, where do you keep it? Where do you keep that piece of precious metal? Um, I actually have sort of a beam that goes across the roof in my bedroom. Um, in my my bedroom at home, my childhood bedroom, where I have all the medals and all the accreditations from the competitions kind of hanging up. So it's there. There is a box for it, but that's kind of on the side. See, I'm kind of, I'm a bit nostalgic that way. I like collecting things. Like I have a bit of a collection of, of bow numbers from, from various races as well when they're not taken off me. Uh, I don't th- really think you're supposed to take them, but I, I do my best after every race to grab them. Um, so yeah, I like, I like, um, you know, being able to see them and and having them together. And I think it's nice that it's in, you know, they're in the bedroom I grew up in as a kid as well, because that's when I was sort of probably thinking about them the most. And and um, yeah, I guess it's a bit poetic or something. <laughs> Excuse the short break, but we want to pay tribute to our partners, Permanent TSB, who bring all of our coverage of the games to life. Sport for Business is a publishing, events and networking business with membership from all the major sports and sponsors in Ireland and further afield. You can find out more about what we do at sportforbusiness.com. Now, let's get back to the chat with Fintan McCarthy. Yeah, no, you you came relatively late into into the sport though from from memory as well. Like, were you were you fifteen or sixteen when you actually got yeah. into 
Yeah, I think I was about 15, 15 when I started properly. Like I would have done a few summer camps and um, in primary school, we used to go down at the weekend or no, not during the week sort of as, as a PE thing. Um, and that's how they would sort of get people roped in. But um, I, I managed to avoid the rowing club, to be honest, until I was, um, yeah, until I was about 15. Which is probably quite tough in Skibbereen. Yeah, for sure. Especially if you're not good at anything else. They find a way of, of roping you in. And um, when, when, you, when you're off the water and in between times now, what other sports kind of excite you? Whether as, a, you know, trying your hand at it or just watching it on the, uh, on the telly or in the ground? Honestly, not many. Like, um, you know, I would have said before, I I just wasn't good at anything. Like even even soccer break, I would used to hate because I just was not any good at it. And it's probably like probably a twin thing because uh, Jake was always kind of really good at, at all that and like excelled in PE and excelled in in football and and soccer and stuff like that. So I think probably probably from a young age we kind of just learned or subconsciously, I guess, accepted that like Jake was the sporty one and I would just take a backseat when it came to that. Cause like you're constantly being compared when you're, when you're twins. So even if you don't, even if you don't recognize it, you, you, you generally don't want to do things unless you're going to be better at it than, than um, your twin. So I think that that's be, how it worked. That must be tough for him walking past that childhood bedroom then every now and again. Um, and yeah. sort of seeing that Olympic medal hanging there. Not that that's the reason why you've got it there at all at all. Um, <laughs> and, and what does, you know, what does life look like for you beyond this next Olympic cycle? Because it's a, you know, it's a, it's a young man's game. And the, you know, the, the world of sport is quite brutal in that you, you reach your peak and then you kind of, you know, step gracefully away before most people have even got a career underway in, in many parts. So what what does Fintan McCarthy in 2034 or 2044 look like? Have you any thought as to what you'd like to do or what you'd like to where uh, to, to to spend the rest of your life doing? Um here here and there, you know, thoughts thoughts come to me, but I think um like the best part of of or one of the good parts let's say of this is that like it kind of, it it has it has shown me that you do just have to do what what you enjoy doing and i think right now i'm really enjoying rowing so i'm just going to keep doing that but hopefully afterwards i'll find something else that enjoys that i enjoy just as much and that will be my thing then for the next few years. Like I don't know what it is yet, but I don't think I could do something that I didn't get as much out of as um, as I do rowing. And um, you know, hopefully I can keep it going for another few years. But um, even if even if I don't, I think it's if anything, it's been it's been a good. Um, it ga- it'll be a good gauge, you know, of whether 
of whether something excites me as much or, or um, you know, a good steer of, of where I want to go after. They, they did some research in uh, the States a couple of Olympic cycles ago about which Olympic sport it is that produces the most leaders in politics or business or whatever it was. And you'd be happy to know that rowing came out top of, uh, top of oh, the top. So there's, <laughs> there's hope for when you begin to, to think of, of, of it in, in those yeah. terms. Yeah, well, plenty, plenty of options. <laughs> plenty of options. Um, in, in relation to to paris now have you been over have you seen the have you seen the course um we we haven't been yet there was a junior world held as a test event there this year so a few of the coaches have been over and um one of the girls got a, a silver medal there and everyone else did quite well as well we all made finals um so there's been that i think we actually are going for a weekend in October, just to sort of uh, scout out the course and and our hotel and stuff, because we're not actually staying in the village this time. I think we're gonna stay in the hotel because it's just closer uh, to the venue. But looking forward to that for sure. Like I think, like we, it's it's all it's all water at the end of the day. Yeah, <laughs> like it, it's it can't be that different to what we've had before. But you know, it will be nice to go and and scope it out, and even in terms of seeing how long it takes to get down to the course, or um, you know, finding the bathrooms or or something something like that. Like it will be nice to have been there and be familiar with it, so that we can kind of hit the ground running once we start training there before the Olympics and and for regatta days and stuff like that. It'll be a different experience for you as well because Tokyo was was very much a, a COVID Olympics. And I'm sure that, you know, Paul was able to sort of share a little bit of what, how different it was to Rio, whereas Paris is more likely to be that sense of, you know, collegiality and camaraderie and Team Ireland, all of those things. Is that something that you'd really lean into and look forward to? yeah yeah for sure i think we got a small bit of it in tokyo because um there is some overlap between us and and some of the other events but we did have to leave quite early so um it would be nice yeah definitely to to get over there and support some of the other um athletes and just to see you know to see performances in other events like we're I think we're actually one of the first sports to be finished. So it'll be great to kind of go and see see other people and just see how well um you know, see how good Irish sport is doing at the moment. Um because I think there has been a huge well not a huge, but you know, a good increase in people, you know, getting medals and being right up there at the top of of their sport across across all sports in ireland since since tokyo so it, yeah no i think it'll be great to to go and see what else is out there i guess yeah a little bit of rowing first then a little bit of boxing a little bit of gymnastics maybe a little bit of athletics a bit of everything 
Yeah, <laughs> it, it's going to be it's going to be potentially the biggest team Ireland that has ever gone to the Olympic Games, which is has got to be very exciting from our point of view on the outside, but even more so from your point of view as a, as, as a member of that team. And um, just away from sport for for, for one moment before I, I, I let you get 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 away. The uh, you're working with um, Elmer and the team in lineup sports. Do you enjoy that side of it of being? out there as a brand ambassador have you done many photo calls do you find them a little bit boring do you find them <laughs> sort of you know interesting to see life from it through a different lens or or how do you feel about that side of things yeah no it's been it's been really interesting in just the sense that um you know before before Tokyo that wouldn't have even crossed my mind as as like a part of of sport and a part of what we're doing so like obviously we're in such a privileged position to have that happening and i think yeah it's it's especially especially you know being able to partner with brands that you actually use every day and really believe in like i have um whoop and connecticut at the moment um which are two brands that i absolutely love and i've always um I've always used anyway. So mm-hmm. even getting in, in contact with them after the Olympics and hearing that that I would be like a suitable ambassador for their products is was like I guess a bit validating or something, but also just like oh really, really um you know, it's really cool that that you know they'd want they want me to to not not only just promote their their stuff but just to to continue using it to to get um to improve my role and improve improve my career and to have their support yeah no it's been it's been really good and and does it give does that give you a kick when you see people like Rory McIlroy being interviewed or Casey McCabe and you see that whoop band on their wrist and you kind of think yeah yeah we're we're team whoop yeah no for sure and then but it, it's one of those it's one of those things where where you, you don't think about it until you're like oh wait that's that's me as well <laughs> it's, it's it's like oh of course they're wearing whoop and then you're like oh wait that's I'm I'm too. <laughs> Yeah, well, neither of them have got an Olympic medal, so I wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> not yet, not yet. Not yet. I wouldn't hold yourself to uh, to to too high a, a, a standard beyond uh, you know in comparison to them. I think you're doing fine as it is. Um, but look, <laughs> Thank it, you. Very it, much. It, it's it's been a real pleasure to talk to you. You're um, you are one of the superstars of Irish sport, and you're still playing there at the top of your game. And um, the very best of luck in what it takes to get you and the road to Paris. Uh, the very best of luck when you get there, and hopefully we'll be able to have another chat again when you are one of only two living Irishmen to have two gold medals. Who knows? Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Thank you very much, Fintan McCarthy. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Rob. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed that. One of only four living Irishmen with an Olympic gold medal. And what a nice guy as well. Next up on the podcast is a chat with Ireland football star Stephanie Roach, looking back on that goal, ahead to the next phase for women's football in Ireland, and plenty more. That show will be out on Thursday. 
You can subscribe to this podcast, which drops every Tuesday and Thursday across a wide range of sporting areas on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. There's over 40 interviews to listen back to already as well. And if you like it, give us a nice review and we will name check you on a future episode. You can sign up as well to our twice daily email bulletins or check us out on X or LinkedIn. Thanks a million for taking the time to listen in today.